0: all the patience the Islanders had to have to bring this guy over from the KHL, to bring him to North America, every single minute of waiting was worth it. I can't exactly tell you what Tristan Jarry was trying to do there, but it didn't work. The best
1: play that, maybe the best play that Sorokin made might not even have been a save. If Barry Trotz is listening to this, he's not going to be happy.
0: Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 90, the brink of elimination, not for the Islanders episode. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. Please find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And as we get together after the Islanders, I mean, what what kind of words can you find for this? But the Islanders uh, win game five, three, two in overtime, maybe a game that they perhaps should not have won. But in double overtime, Josh Bailey scores and the Islanders go back to Nassau Coliseum for Wednesday night's game six with the chance to move on to face the Bruins in the second round, but a lot to get to. Before we get there, and as always during the playoffs, I bring in my Newsday teammates and friends, Colin Stevenson. He's on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday, and Mr. Sportswatch himself, Neil Best. And, man, how are you feeling after this one? I mean, it's a, it's a late night and uh, going into an early morning. And, uh, you know, how, how surprised are you that we're talking about an, an Islanders win here? well it depends on when 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 the surprise
1: takes you know if you'd ask me after the first period i was said very surprised you know once it got to overtime i felt pretty good about their chances if somehow they had
2: they, they had committed that larceny with a late goal in regulation or early in the first period i think i would feel a little bit differently about it but the fact that they stabilized and you know played fine at the end of the third and then through the first overtime was pretty even they still stole one obviously uh, but at least they you know they kind of got it together to the point where they played well you know evenly at least for for the first overtime so i I was i thought butch goring was gonna just um fly to pittsburgh and put on a jersey and hop on the ice and try to do something about that because his head was about to explode watching how that team was playing for two and a half periods um it was awful. I mean, it was amazingly awful. So, yeah, obviously you have to be surprised they won. But, you know, also you obviously have to give them credit for keeping it together and obviously Sorokin credit for keeping him in the game.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was going to say I feel shame here because we're two minutes and 40 seconds into episode 90 of the Island Ice podcast. And we had yet to mention Ilya Sorokin because that – Talk about burying the lead. That <laughs> Ilya Sorokin <laughs> was the start, the middle, and the finish of that story for the Islanders tonight. He was that good. It, it, it was funny. I mean, it, it, at a point he wasn't. It, it, there was one shot. I think uh, it might have been in the first overtime. Maybe it was in the third period where he was. He was just going on reflexes. I know he didn't see the shot, and he still stuck out his head through traffic. And, and he made a stop and uh, boy, 48 saves makes 19 saves in a second period. That was just about as bad a period as you can, you can talk about Islanders at one point being outshot 17 to one, it, it wound up 20 to four um, for the Penguins and to, to be fair it wasn't you know much better than the first period for the islanders and and parts of the third period as well i know barry trotz talked about them sort of finding their game in the third period i didn't think they got to anything until overtime started but Ilya sorokin three three nhl playoff starts in his young nhl career and three playoff wins and uh Neil, i know, i know you've been uh, mr goalie columnist here. <laughs> Well,
2: i mean you know obviously he played great but you know i do think i, I you know his style is interesting because he's so he's so um he doesn't make these saves look spectacular with you know flailing around he's very calm he's controlled i mean his whole style is very mature and you know that i know that the, all that matters right now is game six but you know, there is a bigger picture here, which is interesting, which is as well as Semyon Barlamov has been, obviously been playing, obviously Sorokin is the goalie of the, of the near future. And uh, no matter how this thing plays out in the playoffs, obviously the Islanders have to feel pretty good about having this guy on their team moving forward.
0: Well, Neil, I, I I just have one sentence to say to you about that. I think you got to pump the brakes a little bit.
2: Yeah, my my fa- my favorite thing about the post game was Barry Trotz having one question, including one for me, one question too many about the greatness of Sorokin, and he's like, "Yeah, guys, can we pump the brakes." He was just getting increasingly un- uncomfortable with all these Sorokin questions. Um, so, but you know, we're allowed to get overexcited, and he was. I also thought it was interesting how he he and a couple of players got Varlamov's name into their answers to remind us that he's still on the team, which we know, and that's fine. And it's great that they now have a backup in Varlamov who's that good in case something goes wrong. But, you know, I mean, Sorokin's going to keep playing, obviously. So. You,
0: you know what was interesting? I mean, as much as we've been, you know, just showing Ilya Sorokin all kinds of love, we've, we've also been dumping all over Tristan Jarry for, for this series. And you know what I, uh, before the last goal, (laughs) other than that, how did you like to play Mrs. Lincoln? (laughs) No, I I was, I was watching this game (laughs) saying, this is, you know, this is this guy's probably his best outing in the series. Um, You know, obviously not a lot of work, but he he was good when he had to be. And then you get Josh Bailey's winner where I, I don't, I can't exactly tell you what Tristan Jerry was trying to do there, but it didn't work. (laughs) And, and, and 51 seconds into the second overtime, Josh Bailey, um, who, who I guess we can all talk about the Josh Bailey song also, since now Barry Trotz knows it, but could you figure out what Tristan Jerry's thinking was there? Anyone? Uh, So I, I
1: think that, he wanted to move the puck quickly up the wall and, and kind of start a counterattack. But what happened, I think that screwed him up was that Beauvillier was the first guy into the zone and actually put some pressure on him. And so probably made him, I don't know, uh, play it before he was ready to play it, or maybe he screened him and he didn't see that Bailey was there, but yeah, he, he, that was just
0: terrible.
2: No, I mean, I mean obviously, yeah, Jerry actually did play pretty well tonight and he's, you know, I mean he's he's an NHL goalie. I mean, he does make saves. But but, you know, like we've talked about since before the season started, the Islanders have better goaltending than the Penguins and we, you know, that's sort of been, you know, now we're seeing it. So, um, I don't think Jerry's terrible. I just think Varlamov and, and uh, Sorokin are better.
0: You know what was amazing about tonight just taking a bigger picture? is that Ilya Sorokin's 48-save performance in a double overtime victory was probably not the most remarkable performance by an NHL goaltender in the playoffs tonight because you had Spencer Knight with the Florida Panthers, a 20-year-old, comes in, (laughs) wins game five, not only wins, he wins 3-1, he gave up a goal on the first shot did you see that goal, by the way? A- I mean, not his no fault. Goalie no, no goalie no, in the world stopping that one. No chance. But still, that's, you know, his first NHL start, and he's down one nothing on the first shot. He had and- an elimination game, by the way. All right, let's pump the love for Spencer Knight there.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's easy now. E- easy.
1: <laughs> easy now just be i mean you know how you put those words together
2: man obviously you know barry's point is correct that you have to establish greatness over time and you know we get you know i get what he's trying to pump our brakes with but but fans and writers are allowed to be excited about what this guy did and what he might do in the future i mean i don't know he could by this time next year we could be saying he's a bust i highly doubt it but, but all that matters right now is what he's doing right now. And what he's doing right now is very impressive.
0: You know what I was thinking, watching the game as, as he was just, you know, it just kept building. He he just kept getting better and better. I'm watching this game going all that time. The Islanders waited for this guy and he was like the carrot at the end of the stick that you could just never reach. And I I was just thinking that all that time, you know, all the patience the Islanders had to have to bring this guy over from the KHL, to bring him to North America, every single minute of waiting was worth it just for this game. And and I know there's a bigger picture here and you've got to, you know, you got to think that this guy is, you know, Hopefully, going to be in the Islanders, Nets for the you know he's 25 for the next 10 seasons, right? But this one game just kind of made those five seasons awaiting really, you know, it, it certainly paid off. Well, right.
1: I'm going to ask you to pump the brakes there too because Varlamov was <laughs> tremendous last year, and the year before that, Robin Leonard was tremendous. And the year before that, Bryce and you know was was very good too. So you know, it's not like uh, they were they they were finishing at the bottom of the league for those five
2: years. Well, yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. They've gotten they've they've gotten some good gold in Halakha, had some good times, you know. They've they've obviously had some good goaltending in recent years. Uh, you know, however, it wasn't the, this situation now where this could be the guy for 10 years. So that's the big difference.
0: Yeah. Hey. So, uh, just real quickly, and I, I, I really don't have the answer to this. I think I'm sort of, sort of, uh, kind of bending to to this, but uh, via Islanders or Newsday Islanders text, one of the subscribers reached out to me and said, "Hey, does does Ilya Sorokin in the way he stands in the net?" kind of with some hunched shoulders and his body, the way his body looks, the, the, the subscriber said, it reminds me of Billy Smith, just the way he's kind of, you know, his shoulders. No. no. <laughs> really? No. I, I mean, he, I'm not saying he no. like Billy Smith. He just not whacked one guy with his teeth No, 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 no. I'm not no. talking about no.
1: that. I'm no. Not, no. He's no. a much bigger guy than Billy Smith. Those pads are no, no, no. Colin, <laughs> Colin disagrees. yeah <laughs> I got to be honest. Isn't getting fired either. Come on.
0: I saw. I, I think I saw what the subscriber was talking about during the game. He when he was just standing there. Oh, I, the brakes. Postured. No, I, I see what you're oh, saying. The brakes. I, I I I just felt like you, you threw a birdcage on him instead of you know the the hybrid masks and. I don't know. If Barry Trotz is listening to this, he's not going to be happy. I'm, well, back. I'm on your side, man. I'll tell you, you know when I'm not going to be pumping the brakes? When I'm driving home from Pittsburgh tomorrow. <laughs> there will be no, no pumping of the brakes tomorrow. I'm getting home. Uh, and by the way, I, I should note that uh, – <laughs> I keep looking around like it, it's 1am I'm doing a podcast in a hotel room and I'm really hoping these walls are, are keeping the noise from bleeding through to my neighbors because <laughs> I'm expecting a knock on my door at any minute going, sir, can you keep it down in there?
1: I was wondering why you kept looking around like that. Like what, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. You no. Know?
0: So, The Islanders are going to come back to Nassau Coliseum for Wednesday night's game six with a 3-2 lead and a chance to uh, help me out so I don't have to drive right (laughs) back to Pittsburgh on Thursday. But more importantly for the Islanders, it's, it's a chance to close out a series for the first time at Nassau Coliseum since April 28th, 1993. And uh, we we have someone we have someone here who was at that game and who can tell us all about how meaningful that game was, Colin. Yes, I was in the
1: building. I was in the press box. I watched Pierre Turgeon score that goal, raise his arms in triumph, and then then watch Dale Hunter just crush him into the glass. It was. Stunning to see. It was, uh, it was like, it, it, there was no way you could say he was finishing his check. It was, it, you know, and that's, that's really the, the only thing that anybody remembers from that game. It's the only thing I remember from that game. That image is just burned into your mind. Like here's a guy scoring a goal. I don't even know what the final score was. I think it was four, two. Um, and, uh, you, you know, it was just, it was ridiculous. And then, you <laughs> know, Dale Hunter was a guy that nobody liked, right? He was one of those most hated men in hockey kind of things, you know, where he's probably a better player than Claude Lemieux maybe. I mean, he was one of those guys, though. It was Kenny the Rat Linsman. It was Keith Acton. it was, But he was probably the best best player out of all of those guys. And um, and now, you know, he's gone on to to become, like, a well-respected guy in hockey. But that yeah. night, boy, that was uh
0: yeah, I mean it. It's incredible that. And by the way, the the, the final was Islanders five Capitals three. Um, it was in, in, yeah, it
1: was, it was a one goal game, and Pierre scored. And yeah, it was, that, game. It, was, it was bad.
0: That was Game Six of the uh, nineteen ninety three Patrick Division Semifinals, the Islanders and the Capitals, April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three, and the Islanders have not closed out a series at Nassau Coliseum. Since that day, they have a chance on Wednesday. and uh...
2: Um, It's interesting because obviously we're all going to us and fans are going to be talking and writing about um, what that's going to be like on Wednesday night. And obviously it's going to be a great atmosphere, we assume. But, you know, it's interesting how, in fact, this was like a sports radio topic today comparing just, uh, you know, because obviously what happened at the Garden with the Knicks Sunday night, you know, that got a lot of attention because of the, crazy atmosphere there and you know the nets are now in the playoffs and things are kind of getting back to normal fan wise so um yeah that's just going to be kind of another milestone to have you know more craziness at the coliseum and it's in a clinching situation so there's no question that's going to be a big part of uh they still got to get it done on the ice but that that's that's going to be a big part of that this story if that they can actually do that on that in that arena
0: yeah, no, it's it, it's it's somewhat remarkable. I mean, and we 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 don't have to go through the litany of just all the craziness that this organization has undergone from nineteen ninety-three to twenty twenty-one. But to 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 not win a playoff series on home ice in what is that? That's 28 28 years. That's, that's that's,
1: well, you know, to be to be fair, we talked about 1993 a lot last last fall, right? When because that was the last time they got to the, yeah. the conference finals as well. That was that was a pretty good team, you know. I, I think that was the, that was a year when Pierre had uh, 58 goals, and you know they were uh, they really kind of came out of nowhere um, that year. And then, of course, they they beat the Capitals in the first round, which they were not supposed to do, um, and uh, and then went on to, to beat the Penguins in, in overtime in game seven in Pittsburgh. And that's, you know, that's why they have it because they, they, you know, the next series they, 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 they uh, they won on the road. So um, they have one playoff series.
0: Yeah. No, they, they won at Barclays.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, And they, and they, uh, and they swept the Penguins two years ago, obviously game four, uh, four. So it's not like they haven't well, it's not like they've gone all those years and not won a playoff series. They just haven't done it in front of the the you know the coliseum crowd. So
2: they they have to actually do this on the ice, of course. And if they if they if they want to do that, it might be a good idea to not do what they've done now in four out of five. I mean, they're up three games to two, but in four out of five games, they've been gotten off to terrible starts, and um, that's not helpful if they want to actually close this thing out. So that might be something they want to focus on.
1: You know what I'm thinking? I remember when, when back to, during these crazy days of the lockout when MSG was playing all these old games and, you know, because they had no programming and stuff and, and they played, uh, uh, we were watching, my son and I were watching, um, I think it might have been the 83 game where they closed it out. <laughs> And, and like you know, you see uh, the fans are all on the ice and doing crazy stuff. And like I think it was uh, Billy Smith is like cracking open a Budweiser right on the ice. It was just, can you imagine if they do something crazy like that on Thursday night, on uh, Wednesday night? That'd be that'd be funny.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know that that's gonna happen.
1: <laughs> it was a different time.
0: Yes. Yes. Speaking of game six, we, we also need to discuss this, whether uh, (laughs) if if Oliver Wallstrom cannot go in game six and uh, as of right now, there's no update on, on Wally after Mike Matheson slams him into the wall. I mean, it was, you know, shoulder check, you know, he went in hard to me. It looked like his head snapped back and hit the wall. I know Chris King on the radio was reporting it was a lower body injury. Um,
1: yeah, his, his his knee bent really awkwardly too. It was yeah. so it was it was probably an upper and lower body injury, uh, and it looked like when they were helping him off the ice that he wasn't able to skate. I mean, like yeah, he was yeah. Stand up and they were helping him off. So I mean, I think the you know I'm certainly not a doctor. Neither is Chris King, but. Mm. know it sure looked like it was a lower body injury yeah bigger problem i think it would
2: be pretty shocking if he was playing on wednesday night
0: so if if he's not playing you have i mean barry always talks about the depth uh you know who who do you think he chooses if if wally can't go i mean does he put travis zajac there because of his familiarity with kyle palmeri does he get Michael Dalcollin there? I mean, uh, Ross Johnson is available. Available. Kiefer Bellows is, is available as well. Amongst the uh, the the other. Yeah. I mean, I think didn't didn't Barry say at the morning skate
1: press conference that he kind of hinted intimate, intimated that that Travis Zajac you know could play the wing, but he's better at center, and you know this yeah. is it if it's a winger. So, I mean, I, I would. You know, my guess would be I, I wouldn't expect it to be Travis Zajac. I would expect it to be someone else.
0: Probably Dal Call then. I would I would
2: assume Dal Call, yeah.
1: What does Dal Call bring to the lineup though?
0: Well, not scoring. But I mean, and and, and I've had this debate, you know, probably all season or for all two seasons on the podcast is that you know, people are always saying, what what does Call bring to the Islanders? And if you look at him through the prism of him being a fifth overall pick, you know, the disappointment is he's not a, a point producer. Um, if you just look at what he is and, and not where he was drafted, he's a guy sort of like Leo Komarov can be, you know, hard along the walls, hard on the forecheck. Uh, just always getting his feet going, you know, winning his physical battles and being able to, you know, retrieve pucks and get them to his, his line mates. Yes. So my question would be, you want two Leo Komarovs in the lineup? I, well, you're the one who said Travis Zajac, you know, at center. So probably not him. Uh, I don't think Barry is going to go to Ross Johnson. Um, and I'm not sure that he's going to. I mean, if you're looking for point production, would he turn to a Kiefer Bellows? You know, I, and,
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I, I happen to, you know, I'm just to, to a large degree. I'm being devil's advocate here. I, I agree with you. He probably will be down call. My question is why? Like, I, if it's me, I'm going for Bellows who has a chance to score a goal.
0: And and you're also going to need someone on the power play with with Wally not available. Now, uh, on the one power play the Islanders had in game five after uh, Wallstrom went out, um, Barry Trotz sent out Ryan Pulak uh, to work with that unit kind of in that, you know, the shooter's spot in the left circle. And, And that makes sense because, you know, Pulak can set up with a right-handed one-timer from there and they tried him there. You know, they used them there earlier in the season, but, you know, that's on the power play. That's, you know, that's not on the forward line. I, I agree. Bellows is probably the best option, you know, in terms of scoring, I, I, I still have the sneaky suspicion that, you know, Barry's going to be loyal to the veteran and, and see if Travis Zajac can give him anything, you know, even if it's not, as the center.
1: I'm just saying you heard the man, the man. Yeah. said. That,
0: yes, I, 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 agree. Well, we'll see. There's uh, there's not likely to be media access on Wednesday. So, you know, I guess the uh, trick would be seeing what, what kind of lines he's got at the uh, morning skate on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so, so yeah. Um, I, I, I uh, was reading the, uh, the rail. Yes. That, uh, that you sent me and I see that there's going to be more than 6,800 people in the Coliseum for game six.
0: That is what the uh, email that the Islanders sent out to their season ticket subscribers today said that they you know, they are going to expand the, you know, the vaccinated section basically. So there, there will be more opportunities to buy tickets for game six. Now they, the, the Islanders did not specify how many more people are going to be in, but it does seem like it's going to be expanded from the uh, 6,800, which.
2: This is an amazing logistical. <laughs> I don't even understand how, it... you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure on the, on everybody now, Just after what we've seen with the Knicks, you know, putting, packing that place with vaccinated people. And then, you know, naturally people are going to say, well, why can't the Islanders do that? Especially when you see that unvaccinated section so sparse, so I think it's a good idea for them to do this and even more so if they move to the second round um, but, but the logistics of what you're talking about that game isn't that game is well we're doing this early Tuesday morning that game is tomorrow night <laughs> and we're talking about well you know they, they're gonna expand and they can have more vaccinating I mean how is this even working logistically? I don't understand
0: right. I yeah, I'm just you know, there are two jobs I'm glad I don't have. One is NHL schedule maker, and two is the person who's gotta figure out where people sit in a coliseum where you have to bring vaccinated and non-vaccinated people in there. So
1: so, so you yeah. know, maybe you were paying attention to this and I wasn't, but what did the Knicks do? Was like the whole building all vaccinated people yeah. in the I believe the Knicks were all vaccinated
2: and they put 15,000 people in there. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that's a political statement. That's a, that's a business statement. It's like, yeah, if you want to come have your vaccination
0: card, we're going to pack the place. So why not do that? I have a question about this from a media standpoint, and it's more an NBA question. It's not an NHL question. So, I'm watching the Knicks game last night with 15,000 people in Madison Square Garden, and they again have fans sitting on the court, right? They are front row on the court where players can interact with these people, you know, fall into their laps again. So I'm wondering, as a sports writer, NBA players can now fall into the laps of fans, but sports writers still have to conduct interviews via Zoom?
2: Well, that, that's a bigger question that's going to be very interesting moving forward about whether these teams are going to start using that as an excuse to not have us in locker rooms. Obviously, that's a big issue. But, yeah. being, but why, well, then why is Barry Trotz still wearing a mask behind the bench? I, I mean, again, this is not a... I, I think people of all political persuasions at this point could agree that there's a... Unbelievable amount of randomness going on in mean, these policies uh when it comes to sports, certainly with different leagues, teams, cities. I mean, at, we're, we're in a in a moment here of mass confusion, which maybe six months from now, you know, we'll all be settled and everybody'll do their thing. But right now, I am completely confused about everything when it comes to that stuff.
1: So I was watching my son and I were watching uh the Edmonton Winnipeg. Game last night, uh, last night being Sunday night, uh, and and tonight, or I guess last night, whatever Sunday night, and Monday night, and there's no fans there, which just looks weird, you know. I mean, I had watched the, the Knicks game and it was fifteen thousand people and all that, and then put on the the Oilers game, and there were, or I guess the Winnipeg Jets game if you want to call it that, and there's no fans in the stands. And it's just, it's, it's, yeah, obviously it's a different country and a
0: different country that's having a different level of issues right now. Yeah.
1: yeah. But it's, it's, it's just, it's just awkward. And it makes you wonder, uh, you know, and, and this is not a problem perhaps for this podcast to discuss, but at some point, you know, the champion of that uh, Northern Division is going to come South and, and, and take part in the, uh, you know, in the final four. Yeah. And how's that going to work?
0: I, I I don't know if the NHL knows for sure how that's going to work right now. There are a million questions right now, and they're you know, for instance, you got an Olympics coming up in two months. How's that going to work? I mean, Japan is going through a a, a COVID you know spread.
2: The U.S. government just issued some edict about not, I mean, going there. And NBC's usually sends hundreds of people there, and and yeah, I I. I <laughs> Well, you're right. It's nice that we just get to show up at the Coliseum Wednesday and watch a hockey game and say, oh, there's a lot of people out there. This is fun, without worrying about exactly who they are, where they're sitting, how how far apart the seats are.
0: Yes. Well, all right. It's it's now 1.25 in the morning, and I think that's enough hockey for one day. I agree. Wait, okay. Yes. We. What, what did we not go over?
1: I, I don't know. Jordan Everly's tying goal. I mean, it, 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 the, the guy gets a pass and, and he bobbles it. And, and, and like, if he doesn't bobble it, the goalie's right there. He shoots it right into the goalie's chest. And the Islanders may not even get to overtime. And okay. instead, he bobbles it. And all of a sudden, the, the puck takes him uh, uh, two feet away. And now the goalie's out of position. And he's, I mean, can we, can we talk about that?
2: No, well that's good. Good. we just covered it. I mean that that's you know you can't pick hockey Susan, that's life. <laughs>
0: Anything else, Colin? What else did I forget?
2: I mean, I mean, Beauvilliers' goal was was pretty, and I I was very proud of my obnoxious comment in one of my versions of the column about how it reminded me of Trey Rung, Trey Young blowing past Milikina on Sunday night. No, it is
0: not. It is not too soon to say that. It
2: was a similar move. It was a similar move, except on
1: skates.
0: Yeah. No, that that was
1: that was a sick move. Yeah, I mean, you know, know what you know, you know what I noticed about Beauvillier, like he's missed two breakaways, right? Am I right in this series? He's missed he's two. Gone breakaways. wide, yeah. Shot, shot, stick side both times, yeah. and you know, and tonight he scored, or or in, in game in game five he scored stick side. So like, you know, it's like he, he he apparently either never got the memo about the high glove thing, or he's just like refusing to do the high glove thing. He's gonna like cross this guy up because he, he knows that they have the, the book on him and they, he's going to shoot high glove. And well, Billy's like, Nope, Nope. I'm going stick side.
0: Well, I mean, it, it worked today. I, I that was, you know, the, the only thing that was really disappointing about that goal was the Islanders didn't get any traction from it. You know, they, they were, they were awful. They were more awful in the second period. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to be different, but they were more awful in the second period. I mean, Sorokin had to stop two two on ones in the first 101 of the second period. He stopped Sidney Crosby and then he made a remarkable save on Brandon Tanev, uh, getting out his I mean stretching as far as he could go with his right leg uh, to stop Tanev. I mean, the game the game really could have been uh, you know turned the other way right there. Um, And then the the best play that
1: maybe the best play that Sorokin made might not even have been a save where he poked a poke, check the puck off Jeff Carter's stick. You know, he comes in, comes barreling in from the right wing and he wants to pull it to go to the back end. And the Sorokin just said, nope, I think I'll just knock this puck away from you.
0: You know, it, it shows that Ilya Sorokin is just not like an athlete. You know, he's just not an athletic person back there. He's not just this acrobat who can, you know, he, he's he's Gumby in, in, in how stretchable he is back there. He really does have a high hockey IQ, you know, that stuff that coaches always, the cliched hockey IQ. Um, he thinks the game very, very well. Um, and, and I think that check really, you know, he, he saw the ice there he, and, and he anticipated it. And uh, I thought, I agree. I, I think that was a, a very key play there.
2: All right, that's enough hockey for today.
0: And Neil, we'll give you a break. There will be no Andrews questions today. We'll save <laughs> that for the next episode.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, but.
1: Are we going to have drums in the next episode?
0: We, we might bring in a different instrument. I don't know. Why?
1: <laughs> we'll negotiate about that off camera.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, again, that is uh, looking ahead to game six on Wednesday night at Nassau Coliseum as the Islanders will either put a bow on this series or force me to pack another overnight bag and drive back to Pittsburgh for Friday's game seven. And really, either way, I win because I'm around hockey. So all life's good, right? I'm your host, Andrew Gross. And please find me on Twitter at a gross newsday, and please find everything that I and Neil Best at Sportswatch on Twitter and Colin Stevenson, Colin S Newsday on Twitter. Everything we are writing and saying and thinking and doing, it's all up on newsday.com backslash aisles. And if you want to consider Newsday Islanders text, which is your direct connection to one on one communication with me please text 631-303-3766 or go to newsday.com backslash IELTS text to start your 14-day trial subscription. Men, you are free to go to bed. Thank you very much for staying up late. And till we hit you up with episode 91, happy hockey, everybody.